Welcome to Lock It Down Sports. I'm your host, as always, Locke Hoover, and thank you for joining me tonight as there's so much to get into, as there always is, and I'm going to jump right in. You can always follow me at Twitter at Lock It Up Media. That's Lock It Up Media on Twitter. We're everywhere, you know, wherever you get your podcast, we're there. So check us out at Lock It Down Sports. We've got NFL playoffs. We've got Sean Payton. We've got trades. We've got Bedlam. We've got Brady. We've got all that. But first, let me tell you about my friends at Stream Studio. It's a multi-camera live streaming platform that allows you to go live in less than one minute. It's a video podcasting live webinar streaming platform that allows you to stream to multiple platforms all at the same time. So check it out. Give it a look. Stream Studio. Now, like I said, we're going to get into the NFL playoffs, the championship games. But first, Sean Payton traded to the Broncos. And to me, that's very... Very interesting as it's worked out before, obviously, with trades and coaches with John Gruden going to the Bucks, with Belichick going to New England. But to me, it very much feels like they gave up a lot. Denver gave up a lot to receive Sean Payton in a trade from the Saints. So Denver in the trade received a third round pick and Sean Payton. They traded a first this year and a second next year. And to me, that's a lot. I mean, you trade your first this year and a second next year all for a coach. Yes, coaches have a big say in a big um, impact if it's the right coach. You better hope Sean Payton can get that offense going and change and help very much what the offense was not this year in the last few years. They've got Russell Wilson, so he's got a quarterback. That's a very enticing move for Sean Payton of, you know what, I've got an established Super Bowl winning quarterback that I'm coaching, first and foremost. Obviously, he's used to that in a Drew Brees. So I'm going to take a little bit more mobile, Russell Wilson, who's dynamic, if we can get him going, to go lead us. I like that. I've got Judy at receiver. I've got Cortland Sutland at receiver as well. Two dynamic pieces on the outside as your receiver position. You've got pieces there. Very enticing. I completely understand it from Sean Payton's standpoint of, oh, I got from Drew Brees, basically, to now Russell Wilson. Two very dynamic good, strong quarterbacks. Yes, I'm working without a first-round pick 
this year as a coach and as a front office and then a second next year. That's a lot. That really is a lot and seems like a lot to give up for a coach. So it's something to be seen, how they manage it, what takes place, where Denver goes from here, because there's no doubt. That's a uh, a steep division, but with the right coach and their talent, their design with Sean Payton, they've got a quarterback if they can just get Russell Wilson right right outside of this year. Because this year obviously was a – disaster absolute disaster in denver with russell wilson at quarterback so get him straight denver is right back in the picture of where they want to be regardless but still it's a steep price and seems like a lot to give up for a coach to give him a first round pick this year and a second next year another disappointing thing to me I feel like college football and these two programs can figure can figure out as as being reported right now, 2025 is going to be the last year of Bedlam, which to me is mind blowing and hard to understand and comprehend. With Oklahoma and Oklahoma State not playing each other for the near stable future because of conference realignment again. It happened, yes, I get it. Obviously, Oklahoma going to the SEC, Oklahoma State still staying in the Big 12. You've got two years, two years to figure it out, to get schedules straightened and situated and figured out of when to play the game. Somehow, I don't know why, Georgia, Georgia Tech are able to figure it out. Clemson, South Carolina can figure it out. Louisville, Kentucky can figure it out. Yes, it's earlier in the process of the school's in separate conferences, but still. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State not playing Bedlam. In-state rivals? It's a travesty. Just like Texas, Texas A&M not playing for the last few years. Thankfully, that'll get recorrected if the SEC is smart. And I, I think, I would imagine they are, will schedule... Whatever they have to do to have Texas and Texas A&M playing in the same, obviously them about to be in the same conference, playing each other again. I mean, it was the bitching, moaning, complaining of Texas, and no Texas A&M at first, going to the SEC. Look, we've got an SEC schedule. Now our outer conference is Texas. Then it kind of shifted where Texas A&M became the better program, and it was Texas A&M, I mean Texas, not being able to figure out when, where, why, and how to be able to play Texas A&M. Got to figure this out. Thankfully, that rivalry will continue, will 
start back up again when they're both in the SEC. I mean, that's an easy permanent crossover rivalry every single year, regardless if they're in the same division or pod or however the SEC wants to figure out how to divide it up. You've got to get Bedlam back up and going. It cannot be that hard. You've got two years to figure it out, what you're going to do, how you're going to schedule it. I would venture to guess that there's no way it's the schools that don't want to play each other. I mean, you generally play as schools one big non-conference game every single year. Why not make it Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? It's not hard. It should be a very simple concept to do. Come on, Big 12. Come on, SEC. Come on, Oklahoma. Come on, Oklahoma State. Figure this out. You've got two years to get this correct, to get this straight. Now is the time. Why not figure it out? I don't understand it. You've got two years. Get it done. Now, we all saw this. Does it actually happen is another question. Tom Brady's retiring just like he was last year, right? Right? I mean, he says retiring. He said it for real this time. Obviously, it's one of those, we'll see. I think I thought the best part about this whole thing was obviously uh, Gronkowski, where he had this big, long message for Tom Brady congratulating him on his retirement last year, and then he came back. This year it was great. I don't know if you saw Gronkowski's um, message on Twitter. was, welcome to the two-time retirement I gave you a long message last year, so congrats. Very well done. It was perfect. And another thing, retirement, I mean, uh, retirement. Yes, he's retired. He's like I said. What I was going with was signing day. It came. It went. It's like you blinked. It's like, oh, yeah, national signing day. It's it's, uh, very um, forgettable at this point, obviously, with the early signing day in December. I don't think really anything changed or anything shifted in in that sense. But there was one thing I was interested in, I wanted to check in on, and that was what old Colorado did. And obviously, the only thing I'm really curious and interested in with Colorado was what Dion was able to pull in comparative to what Colorado did the previous few years. So this year, based on, obviously there's a handful of different rankings, but one of them, one of the rankings, Colorado came in at 33. 33, eh, okay, it's all right. But I went, I went back the last two years to see what Colorado was at. So in 2022, 
they were at 54, excuse me, 52. And then 2021, they were at 67. So think about it from, from 2021 to 2023, Colorado had a big jump. 33 this year, 67 in 2021. 2022, like I said, 52. That's not counting the transfer portal, the amount of guys they brought in, which was huge. They had a big class overall with the, um, obviously, their high school signees and their transfer signees. So very interesting what they did bringing in. That's going to be a fun program to monitor, to watch, like I've said in previous episodes about what Dion does with his recruiting class, with his transfer portal. Okay, he thinks he's got more talent there. Let's see what he can do on the field. And that's going to be the fascinating thing to watch with the transfer portal with his coaching style, with his kids, with his guys. Something to watch. That's the one program I really am intrigued about when it comes to Pac-12 after dark. And they're going to get some national games, one or two, I would imagine, because it's Dion, because it's Colorado. Hey, they're playing the USC. Let's not put them at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Let's give my prime time 7, 8 o'clock Eastern time game when it comes to the team just because I want to see Dion play. And that's going to be something, how he can coach up his upgraded talent on the field. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes and what that happens. Before we get into the championship games with the 49ers and the Eagles and Kansas City and Cincinnati. Let me first tell you again about my friends at Stream Studio. It's a multi-camera live streaming platform that allows you to go live in less than one minute. It's a video podcasting live webinar streaming platform that allows you to stream to multiple platforms all at the same time. Now, like I was saying, the championship games, the 49ers and the Eagles. (sighs) Yep, you heard me. It was a sigh. It's like you're, you're hoping to get really excited about these championship games. It was an overall dominance by the Eagles. Not a real surprise based on who they are as a team. They were better in a lot of different spots and positions facing the 49ers player versus player. I mean, it was a very dominant performance and it didn't help when you had your fourth string quarterback have to come in for the Niners and Josh Johnson. I mean, 
Looking at the game, the Eagles didn't need any help. But after that game and what Josh Josh Johnson did, who, if you've looked at his very reliable source and those listening on the podcast, I put this in air quotes, Wikipedia page. Yeah, I know. I just went to Wikipedia page. Josh Johnson's rap sheet of where he's been the teams he's been, the teams he's played on, you kind of had an idea of the uphill battle that the 49ers were facing. They were very limited at the time, at, at that time when Josh Johnson came in, and the Eagles capitalized. They did what they were supposed to do, they dominated. And they controlled the game. That's what they were supposed to do. I mean, you know, the Eagles, I mean, excuse me, the 49ers scored that first touchdown, short field with Josh Johnson. Okay, great. Here we go. After that, I mean, excuse me, Brock Purdy scoring. After that, you put the clamps down. The Eagles dominated. And it was really over, obviously, when Josh Johnson came in to score, uh, to be quarterback, for sure. I mean, obviously, the two turnovers did not help the 49ers at all. In the first half, it was kind of control the game once the Eagles had those two turnovers and the 49ers. And then that was... That was the uh, game. I was really excited about Kansas City and Cincinnati. I mean, they battled each other earlier in the year with Kansas City. I mean, excuse me, it was, it was Cincinnati winning. It's not a surprise. And then it, like I said, it really wasn't a surprise whether it was going to be Cincinnati or Buffalo squaring off against Kansas City. Two good teams. Two good quarterbacks with Burrows and Allen. So now you get a matchup with Buffalo. I mean, excuse me, with Cincinnati and Joe Burrow scoring off against Patrick Mahomes. Watching this game, you're like, okay, I'm intrigued. Every possession, every drive, what their offense is going to do. Is there any changes, any movements, any adjustments made by the Kansas City offense and the Kansas City defense and the Kansas City and the Cincinnati offense and defense. And that's really what, what you saw early on with Kansas City being able to get to go get to Burrow early with the pressure, with the sacks, making Burrow uncomfortable moving in the pocket. You saw that all day. I mean, Kansas City getting that First touchdown was huge. Going for it on fourth and one, I raise my hand right now. If you're watching on video, I'm raising my hand. I would have kicked the field goal to make it nine to three. Instead, they went. They went for it. Granted, a fourth and one, they got a touchdown to make it thirteen to three, which is big, no doubt. 
Then back and forth, of course, before the half, big field goal there by 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 Cincinnati. So you got that Cincinnati field goal right before half. Coming out, you have Cincinnati able to capitalize on the Kansas City touchdown in the fourth quarter. Okay. They capitalize on that turnover from Kansas City. They score a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Okay. Awesome. Get right game on. Let's see what happens. Let's see where they go. And then you've got Kansas City and KC going back and forth. Uh, Kansas City and Cincy going back and forth. Okay. You got Joe Burrow. They're down around the two-minute warning, little little over the two-minute warning. Let's see what they do, where they go. Are they, is uh, Joe Burrow able to lead them down and take the lead? How much more intriguing, enticing matchup and theatrics can you ask for? Obviously, Burrow's not able to get it done, lead him down. Kansas City's able able to win that football game, but man, what a fun back-and-forth game. And those three teams in the conference, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo, all going back-to-back, battling each other for years to come with Burrow, with Mahomes, with Josh Allen. That's going to be a fun conference to see who gets to the Super Bowl each and every year with how they're designed, how those teams are laid out. It's going to be a blast. And I'm thankful for those battle of the quarterbacks, which we'll probably get into a conversation about that later on in the podcast um, maybe next week or the week before that, about that conference, the quarterbacks, where they're at currently. It's going to be fun. Lay out where they're at. And it's it's exciting to see innovative, good young quarterbacks battle it out. Now, talking about battling it out and – this really isn't and hasn't been a battle like people have hoped for when it comes to NIL money and deals spreading out and diversifying who goes where, where the talent is dispersed for. Because, for example, I'm just going to 2023, so this year's recruiting class Five-star recruits signed by conferences, okay? There's not a whole lot of five-stars to go around. The SEC signed 21 five-star recruits. Surprisingly, this part kind of surprised me. The Big 12 signed seven. The Pac-12 
sine 5, VACC, sine 4, and this one really shocked me. The Big Ten, I would say arguably probably the second best conference in all of college football sign one. One five-star recruit. And talking about dispersing all over um, different conferences and who's the best conference and if it has really helped with the NIL. So just for, I'm going to make the last 15 years, okay? That's right, the last 15 years, only three nine. SEC schools have won national championships. Three in the last 15 years. Okay? And two of them by by one school in Clemson. Obviously, Clemson's won two. Ohio State has won one in in, uh, 2014. And then Florida State won one with Jameis Winston in 2013. That's it. That's it. Also spreading out NIL and conference dominance. So where's all the NIL money coming from? 11 11 of the top 25 spending schools are from the SEC. 11 schools. Three of the SEC schools are in the top five. Texas A&M, I think you've known and heard about their braggadocious money spending out to getting kids, which, look, it's legal at this point. I don't have a problem. I think that's a positive. It really is. Look, if you're a talented player, we're going to spend money to try to bring you in, okay? What's the issue with that? I don't think there is anyone... That is a recruiting tool and a great situation. They just haven't been able to turn their for, their their money spent into an RO return of investment. Jimbo Fisher, I I don't know. I don't understand that. He's recruiting the he's recruiting the kids. He's the school is spending the money but they're not able to produce. I don't know what their issue, what their deal is. But the other two schools have capitalized. Bama, Alabama's number two when it comes to NIL. I think they've had a recent amount of success from uh, from my most recent memory. I don't have to go, I don't have to remember very far back. And I don't have a good memory. I just have to write stuff down. But from my memory, I think Alabama's done okay in the recent era of the college football playoff and winning national championships. The other one, I don't have to go very number three in the top five. I don't have to go very far back to remember their success either in Alabama and uh, Georgia. I think the last two national championships they've done pretty well in. From my memory, like I said, it's not very good. But I feel like I feel like they've done pretty well the last two national championship games. 
Now, running out of the top 10, you've got Ohio State at 5, Texas 6, Notre Dame 7, Penn State 8, Oklahoma, Michigan, and this would kind of surprise me, North Carolina. To run out of the top 10 in money spent in football on NIL. So, you're getting the recruits. You're getting, you're spending the money. You're winning national championships and being productive when it comes to spending in college football. Why did you think when it comes to NIL, it would disperse the talent, separate the talent, and cultivate more potential national championships from different schools? I don't know, but I mean, facts are facts. The SEC has continued to be dominant in the spending, in the production of national championships. And yes, like I said, I went back 15 years, and some of that was during the BCS era, of course. Let me go back two back years further. That was LSU and Florida. You're 16 and 17 years back of winning national championships. The proof's in the pudding. It's there. It really hasn't helped dispersing national championships because of NIL. It's only, oh, cool. Georgia, Alabama, a Florida, LSU, even a Tennessee is willing to spend money as well. I go to that school. I was interested in them anyway, and now they're giving me XYZ money. I'm in. Sign me up. That's where it's at, and it's not a big surprise at all. Another, not another, another non-big surprise to me has been Lamar Jackson and his contract. I'm really fascinated what his contract is going to be, how it plays out. I mean, based on his stats, his numbers, and how he plays the game, I feel like he wants to be paid like a Deshaun Watson, like a Kyler Murray. Deshaun, obviously, $230 million guaranteed. Murray, $165 guaranteed. Is Lamar Jackson worth that? Absolutely not. In my opinion, no chance. How in the world would you pay him more than Patrick Mahomes guaranteed money? Yes, Mahomes got a huge contract with incentives and all that, which is a lot of how it works. His guarantee is 141. Perfect apples to apples example is Josh Allen. Josh Allen, 150 million guaranteed. Let's just compare Josh Allen to Lamar Jackson. Two quarterbacks that run ish. I'm going to say ish here. I mean, Allen can run. They want him to sit more in the the pocket. 
but he runs some and he's run less, which the Bills are happy with because it helps his longevity to continue to be the guy. One out of the last three years has Lamar had a higher percentage, completion percentage than Josh Allen. And that is obviously that's way he's had way less yardage. You can go look at the numbers in the last two years. And granted, Lamar Jackson, two of the last three years, only played 12 games. You say lock. Only the last, he's only played 12 games the last two of the last three years, two years, 12 games each. But yes, to me, in this instance, that is a factor. Why is that a factor, you ask? That's Lamar Jackson's style of running the ball. And based on his style, the, say, Mike Vick style, who we saw a lot, or I saw a lot of in Atlanta, exciting, dynamic, but there's risk, there's injury in that. Also with Lamar, rushed for less than a thousand yards in two of the last in the last two years. Yes, some of that once again is only playing 12 games. But like I said, that is a factor to me when it comes to judging Lamar Jackson. It's part of who he is, his style. His play, it's not a pinpoint accuracy style of play for Lamar Jackson. It's not who he is. That's not part of his game. So, like I said, the 12 games is, you have to factor that in for him when it comes to salary, when it comes to contract extension, and where you're going. He wants a new contract. I would venture to guess the Ravens are going to franchise tag him. Franchise tag him. Try for him to give him, obviously, another year, but also try to work out a long-term contract with him. Because He's dynamic. There's no doubt. There's no one denying that. There's risk. There's there's injury concerns with him, which is very fitting for them to have their backup quarterback that can play that same style. That works for their their how their offense was designed. Of course, they've got a new offensive coordinator they've got to figure out. With Greg no longer there, can that new offensive coordinator coordinator tailor his offense around Lamar Jackson does great? That should be the case. It's a wait and see what happens with him and what the offense does. But that should be the number one goal about what they do and where they go from an offensive coordinator standpoint. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fascinating to watch 
and I'm intrigued by it. I really am. And I know, I know, I know we didn't even get into the Super Bowl this week, but you can relax as Aaron Rodgers likes to say. We're going to get into it next week. I mean, there's just too much with Mahomes, with Hurts. It's going to be fun to watch the theater and what goes on in the Super Bowl coming up on the, on the 12th. I'm going to get, like I said, trust me when I say this, I'm going to get into this it next week because there's no football next week. Yes, you can say the Pro Bowl. It's a joke. I'm actually honestly happy they went to flag football because basically that's what it was to begin with. And I get it because I didn't want to get hurt. That's fine. I understand that. Okay. We're going to talk about the Pro Bowl a little bit, maybe. We'll see. A little bit. But yes, we're going to get into the, the Super Bowl. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I'm really looking forward to two good teams. Hopefully we get a close back and forth Super Bowl. I feel like it's been a minute since we've had one, and I'm looking forward to it. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Lock It Up Media. That's Lock It Up Media on Twitter. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to talking with you next week on Lock It Down Sports. Have a good night. It's Lock Hoover on Lock It Down Sports.